Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Now, I want to talk about today what I call the high watermark of the church. And of course, there's always going to be those times when the church of God, the church of Jesus Christ, his people, move forward and take major ground for him. But I want to go all the way back to the beginning. I want to go back to the time where we see a pattern. Okay, How does the church of Jesus Christ, how does God's people get to that point where they take massive ground, where we see the strength of God's people growing, advancing, doing awesome things for him. People coming in droves. Some people call it revival. But as you will find, that this idea of growth is really supposed to be more of an everyday thing for us. Not much, not really the exception, but more of the rules. So I want to look at a couple portions of scripture here today, and I'm going to try to go through them as quickly as possible to give you just a picture, okay? So when we talk about the church moving forward, when we talk about the church coming into a kingdom, its kingdom understanding, becoming what we've been called to become, you see it comes in two major conditions. We're going to see this in Scripture. Under two major conditions. Number one is desperation. When the people of God come into a place of desperation, things happen. Secondly, a time of persecution. Now, those don't always seem like the best conditions that we would like to see advancement take place. But you're going to see over and over again, we see it in the Old Testament, but you're going to see it in the New Testament today as the church begins to form. So I want you to, be, I'm going to start with Acts chapter 2, familiar portion of scripture, but I want to summarize here to help us get the big picture and then, then we'll tie this all together. But so here we have the church in its infantile version, 12 disciples, their families, people that have been following, those who have gone through the hard times, and then a great sifting because Jesus, of course, is crucified. And they scatter. And there's a sense that everything is over. It's all that has been won over the last three years, all of the wonderful miracles and the things that have taken place over the last three years of Jesus' ministry just seem to come to a screeching halt. There's a scattering. There's a struggle. There's desperation. They're stunned at the loss of their Savior, the one who did the miracles in front of their eyes arms growing out, people that are blind, people that can't speak, demonized people, this, just miracle after miracle, and they see the kingdom of God. And Jesus tells them, that's what it is. He had to tell John the Baptist that and remind him of that too. He said, this is the kingdom of God. Darkness is fleeing. People are getting set free. And they were gathering. And there's this scattering. So they're, they're stunned because he's crucified, but then he comes back again, and they're like, Whew. So now we get it. We're, we're going to move forward, that something wonderful and great is going to happen. And he stays with them for a period of time, and then he reminds them. He said, guys, I, I, I told you I was going to leave. Well, what are you leaving for? No, no, i got to go. I've given you everything you need. I've told you how to do this. I've showed you how to do this. Now go do it. 
And to wrap it all up, he, he, he goes up in front of the, from the Mount of Olives, the place where he taught scripture, the place where they had become most familiar, the place where they thought, this is, this is the God zone. He leaves them. And he goes up there in front of their eyes and they're standing, they're looking up and an angel appears and said, what are you guys doing? <laughs> what, are you, what are you looking at? Why are you staring up? Why are you just standing here is kind of the, the interpretation, the feeling that I get. It's just like, look guys, He's going to come again, so get busy. Get busy. Don't hang out here on the Mount of Olives. It's time to go and do what he showed you to do. Of course, they obey Jesus. And Jesus tells him, he says, look, now before you get doing that, after I go, let's go, and I want you to wait for the gift I promised. Acts chapter 2 comes. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. As promised, and for the most part, the church on that day is birthed. Peter, who's been really just kind of coming back piece by piece, you know, having denied the Lord, having really retreated from his place of leadership, is now coming back. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit, 120 of them. They're in an upper room. They're waiting. They're waiting. What do we do next? And the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Power, confidence. Peter rises up, the last guy any of us would, would expect to go and preach a message, comes out to all of the Jews from all over the world, and he says, hey, what you're seeing is what was prophesied, you bunch of Jews. You know what it says in Joel, that in the last days that this was happened, and now you're seeing it? This is the kingdom of God, and it's right before your eyes. And they're all looking at each other and saying, wow, you mean the Messiah came? He's here? He's coming again? Yes. Somebody says, hey, man, where's, where's, the, where's the water hole? 3,000 people come to Christ in a very short period of time. On that day, the church is birthed. But where did it come from? Where did that come from? It came up from some ashes, folks. It came from a place of desperation. It came when it, you were least expecting it to come. It was, when, it was like the devil had his foot on the neck of the church, and then boom! Just when you thought it was going to disappear, 3,000, I, mean, I mean, talk about some serious multiplication, exponential growth. And not just people that are local, leaders from all over the civilized world. Talk about strategy. Talk about poking the eye of the enemy just like that. All these men and their, their families are going to go back to their nations, and what are they going to do? They're going to preach the gospel, of course. Amazing. It forms. The church begins to gather. And the, you can imagine the disciples are so excited, they're giddy. Because they're like, he told us about all this. And now it's happening. Look at all these people who now love Jesus, want to follow Jesus. And they're looking at the disciples saying, well, what's next? Well, let's figure this out. What did he tell us? And they do four basic things. The church begins to form. They say, well, well let's just figure this out. There's no, no real you know, book on this thing. There was no clear instruction how this, this whole thing called the church was supposed to happen, but they did four basic things. They listened to teaching. They remembered what Jesus said on the Sermon of the Mount, on the Mount. They recounted the words of Christ. And who better to do it than the guys that were with him 24-7? Hey, you remember when Jesus said this? Oh, that was good. Hey, can we talk about that more? Yeah, let's talk about that. 
They chewed on the cud of truth. Then they ate together. They hung out because they're like, look, (laughs) we're not of this world anymore. Jesus told us about this kingdom. He told us about how as believers, we were now unique, we're special, we're called out ones, ecclesia, the church, and now where are we going to go but hang out? And so somebody brought him a, I don't know, brought him a big old uh, thing of stew, and they started serving it up. Hey, we ought to do this every day. And they ate together, which is where all the food has come from, by the way, as far as the church. I mean, you can prove it right there in the Bible. There it is. They ate together. And then they shared their possessions. Because while they're seating, sitting there, they look over at Brother Shlomo, and he's like, hey, man, how are you doing? Not too good. Couldn't pay my tax. Really? Yeah, it's either that or go to prison. Well, we're not going to let that happen. You're my brother. You're my sister. We're family in God right now. So I tell you what, I got enough for my tax. Here's some for yours. And it says right here that they began to share their possessions. They began to become what? A family. That's what they became. The church begins to form and grow right in front of their eyes, in front of our eyes as we, as we look at it. And so they share their possessions, and it said, and they prayed. And they prayed. And I love this part of Acts chapter 2. I love it. Because at the very end, it says they did this. So they listened to the teaching. They shared their meals together. They shared their possessions together. And this says they prayed together. And this is the best part. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the church, here's a water, high watermark, really a blueprint is what theologians call it. It's a blueprint of how the church really is supposed to operate when it's healthy, when it's moving forward. But I want, you to, I want to point out a couple of things. Number one, it came out of the ashes, desperation. And then secondly, as the people got it, as they gathered together and became the church, they did some basic things. They worshiped, they learned, they gave, they prayed, and God had added to their number. If we do this in reverse, which I like to do as a Bible teacher, because you, you you get the point. Start with the point, then you add to it. What's the point? The Lord adding daily to the church. That's the point. And how do they get there? By being the church. By doing what the church is called to do. I call that a high watermark, my friends. So Acts chapter 2 gives us a, per, a, a picture. And just so God helps us to get it again, the church goes through another phase. we got a chapter. Peter and John go out. They walk into the temple. There's a man sitting there. He's crippled. And he says, alms for the poor. They look at him and said, silver and gold have we none. We've given all our gold away. But such as we have, we'll give you. In the name of Jesus, stand up. On those spindly little legs, he stands up. And in the crowd, he gets up and it goes on. And he says, he starts to run. We sing songs about it, laughing and leaping and praising God. All through the temple. And so this is incredible. This is a miracle. I mean, can you imagine seeing that skinny little dude running through there? It must have been amazing. The church is moving on, but guess what happens? 
The enemy doesn't like that, and this is what we endure in, 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 on this earth even to this very day. The enemy doesn't like success. The enemy doesn't like to see his, the, 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 the children of God moving forward in kingdom things. And so what he's going to do, he's going to strike out against it. That's exactly what he did. The Jews arrested Peter and John, said, uh, no, 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 this is not going to happen anymore. We had enough of that, Jesus. We crucified him, and we're done with this. And they come before him, and they warn them, and they say, don't speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And they just look at him. And I love this, because, I mean, to me, I visualize them just standing there and going, sorry. They're emboldened. They just watched their Savior get raised from the dead. They're not so much afraid of death anymore. <laughs> not so much afraid of that stuff. So they just look at him and shrug their shoulders. They send him back. They go back to their family, the church, and everybody's just going, oh, you're out? Yeah, yeah, we got out. They let us out and told us. They warned us never to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And they looked at each other and just said, is anybody here in this room going to do that? No way. We've got to speak in the name of Jesus. I don't care what anybody tells us to do. I don't care what, what the school says I can or cannot do. I'm not going to say what, what the government tells me I can or cannot do. I'm not going to listen to that because you know what? Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is the hope of wor the world. And there is, no, there is no following. There is nothing. There's no religion that even compares. I'm sorry. Whether it be secular humanism and any governmental thing that is being presented to us that things could be better. No, my Jesus is the only hope of the world. Period. So they look at one another and they say, we got to do what we're going to do, what we're called to do. And they prayed. It says they prayed and quoted Psalm 2. Whew. Psalm 2 is awesome. It says, Why do the nations rage? Why do they plot in vain? The kings of the earth try to destroy the Son of God. Ain't going to happen. Didn't work then, not going to work now. And I love this because it says the room was shaken. I don't, I've never been to a prayer meeting where the room was shaken. I'd like to be. But you can imagine them all, I mean, they didn't walk away that going and say, whoa, man. Is there a fault under Jerusalem or something? Are they fracking in this area? No, 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 no. They said, oh boy, God is here. And he's alive. And he's heard our prayers. They got that sense of, whoa, we are in the stream, baby. We just prayed the heart of God. And there's nothing like that. The church then, in, in, in another wave, gets into the groove of what Jesus died for. And so there they are. The room is shaken, and it says, and God gave them even greater boldness. So not only did they not listen to what was, they were threatened to stop doing, they were going to go do it more. And then in my mind, it was like they struck a vein. And that, as I've, you know, I was telling Caroline recently, whenever the enemy sticks his head out into the open, he exposes himself. And now you know really how to pray. Now you can target him and say, oh, gotcha. It's like a sniper in warfare. You don't know where the enemy is until poof, that flash. Them firing at you. Then it's like, 
Could I have that C-130 gunship come into the area, please? <sighs> Those big 20-millimeter guns come in and... <clears throat> Bye, devil. No more of you. People are filled with boldness. And they go on to preach the gospel even more. And you know what? 5,000 more people were added to the church. 5,000. 3,000 under when Peter preached. 5,000 when they decide. So under desperation, 3,000 people come to Christ. Under persecution, 5,000 come to Christ. And what I noticed was is 5,000 men. They only counted the men. Sorry, ladies. They should have counted you too. For some reason, they just counted the guys. So it was a lot more than 5,000. And the families they represented. Look what Acts chapter 4, 32 through 37 says. All the believers then, and this is the result of what takes place after this, 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 this revival. 5,000 people. It says, all the believers were, when, were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they just, now, now they're going down the street corners, they're going down the byways. Amazing things are happening. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that they were, uh, all at work in them, all that were, I'm sorry, this is not making sense to me, that there were no, I'm sorry, that all this was happening so that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. They say, wow, is this socialism? Ah, no, this is kingdom. Totally different deal. This was not forced upon them. This came out of their heart. This came out of the grace of God working inside them. See, when the kingdom of God, and I'm just going to insert this and move on, but when the kingdom of God really gets moving it's going to shake even the social structure. And that's what's taking place here. Man. Woo! Grace of God was working so powerfully that, that people that had a lot now began to, kind of their heart would begin to get struck. As they watched the poor begging on the side of the street, they said, you know what, I, I can't believe in the kingdom of God and not be moved to do something for at least my brothers and sisters in Christ to do something, to move forward. And that's what's going on here. It says, from time to time, people who owned land or houses, they sold them, and they brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Then, this is noted in this section of Scripture, which I think is really cool. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. They had to let us know that. Sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. What happens when the church turns to God? What happens? Well, we saw it in Acts chapter 2. We saw a heart for teaching. We saw a heart for people gathering and eating together. Fellowship is really what it is. Koinonia is a Greek word for that. And then they began to give to one another. 
They began to have a greater sense of who they were and called to be. Things, racism began to just diminish the Greeks and the Jews and, and, and their widows were taken care of evenly. They actually created the office of what we call the deacon. Things began to happen within the church that was just busting what, what the enemy had created over centuries and the church began to grow. The church began to, it began to experience freedom. Folks, what I'm trying to point out here is that people's hearts grew. It was compassion that grew out of it. An awareness of the kingdom of God. See, the enemy, the enemy puts over our eyes. And, 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 you know, whether it be, well, actually, two things happen. The enemy puts glaze over our eyes so that we don't see the kingdom of God. And our own narcissism, our own selfishness, we put our own glaze over our eyes so that we no longer see the needs of those around us. We don't see the need for being in the church. We, we kick it to the curb and we go on and, and we want to be by ourselves and think that we can do more by ourselves. And nothing could be further than the truth. You become a lone ranger, easily squashed. Can I say to you, Christian, do you really think that by yourself you're going to stand against the enemy of your soul? He's going to eat your lunch and take the box too. Yep. And we've all experienced it to one degree or another if we're honest. But man, when we stand together and you've got two or three gathering in, in his name it says there he is in the midst of us there is a, a, a power there is a unity there is a purpose then there is an advancement of the kingdom of god and all you see is the verificated tail of the enemy going that way running away it says he will flee so what happens when the church turns to god they gather together they push past their personal issues they hunger for biblical teaching. There's a hunger that grows. You see that in both cases, and I want to point that out. There's a new, rejuvenated, a revived hunger for the word of God. What did Jesus say after all? What did he say about what's going on in my world today? I wonder, with all the laws that are passed and all the things that we see going on in our culture, how many people are really asking that question that used to be so big back in the 90s? What would Jesus do? Are they asking that question anymore? They also get their priorities right. They gather together and they just say, you know what? <laughs> I don't care what I was doing before. Whatever I wanted to make, whatever I wanted written on my tombstone is being erased because now I want it to say he served God with all of his heart. That's what I want written on my stone. That's what happened. They go on and they take care of one another. They embrace compassion in Jesus' teaching. Jesus, you know, people walked up that were full of, they were riddled with um, the worst skin disease known to mankind. And there they were, it was, their skin was hanging off them and they were, they were unclean and they were supposed to be sent away. And Jesus says, bring them to me. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Leprosy, gone. Talk about compassion. Then they seek the heart of God together. They make God's passion their own. They basically say, what did Jesus tell us to do? Well, he told us to go and make disciples. Well, I guess we best be getting doing that. We should probably pool our resources. 
to help us all get back to where we are supposed to be. Strong, filled with faith, vision, using whatever talents and gifts, whatever we're supposed to be, whatever we've been designed to be, to use that all for the advancement and glory of God. Yeah, that's it. And then finally it says, they rise up and they release the champions to advance the kingdom of God. This is one thing I wanted to point out in Acts chapter four that you can easily miss, but I caught it because they wanted us to see it. It says, then this guy named Barnabas rises up and he comes to the front in a, in a, in a worship service and he lays down the money from some land that he sold. And you say, well, that's just one of probably hundreds of men who did that. Not this guy. This guy goes on to become the right-hand man of Paul, Barnabas. Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Barnabas, the one who gets Paul when Paul's been missing for 11 years. Barnabas, the one who has to appeal to this choleric, driven, power-controlled guy named Paul and says, dude, don't kick Luke to the John Mark, I'm sorry, John Mark to the curb. I know he messed up, but please, let's not do this to him. Paul says, sorry, I'm moving on. Barnabas, kingdom awesome Barnabas, comes up, and what is he? He's a partner in the kingdom of God. He is one that they, from there on out, the church says, this guy we need to send him forth because, you know, we're called to be the church. We're called to do these four things that we're doing, but occasionally God is going to rise up somebody among us. They're going to be Barnabases that we're going to send out, and they're going to change the world. Acts chapter 4 produces a Barnabas, and folks, we've got Barnabases among us today. We're calling them our partners. These people have answered a very unique call. They put their reputations on the line. They go out there and they serve. We heard from LeCount Anderson the amount of stress that he has to endure caring for the homeless, not knowing where their support's going to come from. We heard from Delane, who goes around the world rescuing ch young ladies from sex trafficking, not knowing how this is all going to work out. But they're Barnabases, rescuing babies leading students to Christ on our campuses. Who's willing to go into that atmosphere today? That makes me tremble, to be honest. But Tommy Saunders, man, like a bulldog going in and saying, I want to talk to you about Jesus. He's been threatened to be thrown off the campuses. Barnabas. What are we going to do with these people? Well, I'll tell you what we need to do with these people. We need to love them. We need to support them. We need to give them what they need to succeed. Prayer, support, and as a local church, we've gathered beside them and we've said, look, we see what you have. We see your heart. We, they've communicated it to us. Now, we haven't said, look, we're just going to give you a bunch of money. Go have at it. No, we've said, how can we, what one thing can we get behind? Because, you know, we can't do it all. But what is one thing that would really help you make a difference? And they've told us. And we put it on our brochure. We put it in there. And so that's what we're going to do here, folks. As a church, we're following the book. We're following the book. And I hope that out of our own desperation, 
out of these times of persecution that we as a church are going to rise up <laughs> and we're going to do what he's called us to do. And we're going to see these Barnabases who have walked to the front and say, and just like Hudson Taylor, who when they took up the offering and, and, and the offering plate came to him, he put it on the ground and he stepped in it and said, I give myself. These are the Hudson Taylors we want to support. We want to help them do what God has placed on their heart to do. So we've prepared, preparing for this for months and months. Months and months. And so what we're going to do, my friends, is we're going to help. We're going to help the Barnabas. He's a son of encouragement. They're sons and daughters of encouragement. But we're going to come beside them. Because you know how hard it is to be an encourager all the time? And nobody seems to be encouraging you? That's what we're going to do here. We've called them in. We've let the natural paths of relationship locally, regionally, internationally, the Renshaw tribe there in Vanuatu, doing amazing things. Things that you and I would probably never do. But they're willing to do it. And we cannot let this go unanswered, unsupported, unloved, <laughs> unprayed for. So at this time, if I could have the worship team's going to come, we're going to take up an offering, a special offering. We're calling it a faith commitment offering. Now, I want to explain what this is. While they're getting into that place, if you don't know what I'm talking about, please hone in on this because I want you to get it. Over the next year, we're going to gather funds. Not, we don't necessarily want it all today, but over the next year, what we want to do is we want to gather funds that is going to be distributed to these people's needs as it comes in. We've done this many years in a, for many times, and God has done amazing things through us. Here we are, little, little Valley Community Church, and some of the things we have done together have been just amazing. The churches we've planted, the people we've rescued, the ministries that have been created, the babies who have been saved, the people who have been led to Christ, us, just coming together and being moved that way. So we're going to gather this up. Now, as you came in the door this morning, you received an envelope. It looked like this. It says, Advance the Kingdom 2016. Now, if, if this is your first time here today, you know, I'm not saying that you should ignore this, but, and I'm going to let you pray, but for the most part, we're not, we have no expectation on you, okay? But for those of us who call Valley Church, Community Church, Church Home, we've been preparing, we've been preparing, we've been waiting for this moment. And so, guys, this is it. So what I'm going to ask you to do is grab that envelope. And I want you to look at it. And what we need from you is your name, your address, the basic information. And it says, I want to be a part of advancing the kingdom of God with Valley Community Church. In dependence on God, I will endeavor to give over the next 12 months either a one-time gift today, you can do that, or a monthly gift, which is what I like to do. I like to give it monthly because I want to know every month I'm taking another step forward in helping these folks. Or you may say, you know, Pastor David, I don't know where I'm going to get any money. But this is where the faith commitment part comes in. This is what I love. And I've seen God do this over and over again. And just say, and you just pray and just say, okay, Lord, what, do you, what can come through me? What kind of a conduit can I be to really attract kingdom resources so that I can be a part of this? It comes through faith, and that's it. And it might be a creative idea. You know, you say, you know what? We haven't had a garage sale in a long time. I'll tell you what, why don't we dedicate that garage sale and all the proceeds to this? You know, I knew a businessman who said, you know what? When I reach my budget, now this is kind of cool. When I reach everything that I need 
to take care of my business needs, my overhead, when I take care of what I need to give out to all my, my employees and, and to get my basic salary. Anything comes over the top of that is going to this. Man, have I seen that happen over and over again. Step into it and watch God provide. That's all I'm saying, okay? So I want you to take this envelope right now, okay? Take it out. And if I could have our partners please come. They're going to be up here in the front. We're going to have them lie in the front here, and they're going to have baskets. And here in just a moment, if you'll take the time and the pen that's provided in the back of the seat and fill this out for us. And as we worship, and as you're ready, I just ask you to come up and drop it in the basket as these partners, as they represent it. I'm going to go through this once again. Your union mission, right? Very good. Outreach garden, going to feed the poor. Preschool, we're going to offer a preschool to poor families, those who can't afford it. Raise children up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, targeting specific parts of our community. Union mission, the homeless, those that we want to be able to feed. Right over here, to save babies from abortion, give them an alternative, to teach them, train them. We're going to be a part of that. Saving marriages, building marriages, Boy, is there not a need there today? Joe and Jane Brown, Longview Retreat. Karen, to release this warrior (laughs) to see young girls who have absolutely no hope caught up in one of the worst parts of slavery in our world today, sex trafficking. She's given her life to train, to build, to educate, and to be a part of seeing those young girls set free. And Delane, and this guy's got his hand in so many pots, it's, it's hard to keep up with them all. But God has called this man to go into some of the darkest parts of the world. So dark, we can't even talk about it. But to bring the gospel into places using technology, amazing things. If you, had, if you weren't here to hear about it, you need to talk to this guy as soon as the service is over, all right? 